early on as a Christian, as a young man, before I, when I first knew, understood Christianity, um, if I was content to stay way back there 20-some years ago, 25 years ago, I would not have grown in my walk with the Lord, and I would not have known him as I know him today. So a warning, if you're content in just knowing about the love of God, that's insufficient. We should know far more about who he is. We should know about his judgments. We should know about his holiness. We should know about his sacrifice that he made in Jesus Christ. We should know about how he works in providence in this time world for us. Many men have confused many doctrines taught plainly in Scripture, if it's carefully read and prayerfully read. Without those two things, you're going you're you're to twist and rest Scripture to your own destruction. That's why we need teachers. And that's why we need the Spirit of God to lead us into truth. So it's a very fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Peter, in 2 Peter... touches on a, a verse of scripture that many have confused and have caused people to um, believe things that simply are not true. If you read our articles of faith, we believe that God, and I'll read it right from scripture actually, in Ephesians chapter 1. I'll just read it right from scripture. It says, um, Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, According as he hath chosen us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure which he had purposed in himself we believe as a church body that before the world began Jesus Christ stood as a surety for a particular group of people and because he stood in surety for a particular group of people those people are forever preserved in him as brother Jude writes and because of his sacrifice, he has perfected us forever before the throne of God. So Peter writes in, in uh, 2 Peter chapter 3, he, he re- makes this statement. <clears throat> says, um, I'll probably miss it. Yes, here it goes. It says, um, 2 Peter chapter 3 says, Looking for and hastening unto the coming day of the God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you you may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless, and account that that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, even as our beloved Paul, who according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. Also in all of his epistles, speaking of things which, um, into which some things are hard to be understood, which they which are unlearned and unstable do rest as they do their own, as they also do the scriptures unto their own destruction. It says that 
The Lord is unwilling that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In order to properly understand that scripture, a verse of scripture doesn't stand on its own. In any letter, a sentence is connected to the sentence before and the sentence after, which is called context. So in order to understand that, you have to look at the context. Well, who is he writing about? Who is he writing to? So to be a student of scripture and to grow in grace and the knowledge of your, of your Savior, Jesus Christ, and really have assurance that your salvation is secure in him and not in yourself. Because we all wrestle with, have I done enough? Did I do, will God forgive me of that sin? If you've ever struggled with that, that's a major issue. Because our assurance comes from the faithfulness of God. And so if we have any doubt of whether or not, do I make the right profession of faith? Am I a member of the right church? Do I read the right Bible? And you should read the right Bible. And you should be a member of the right church. But you have to go back in the context and who is he writing to? So in order to understand that, you have to go back to First Peter, or Second Peter chapter 1 and um, begin reading verse 1. Verse 1 says, Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to them which have obtained like precious faith with us through the righteousness of God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. So when, he's, when, when Peter says um, that God is unwilling that any should perish, that, that all should come to repentance of the knowledge of the truth, who's he talking about? He's talking about all them he's writing to. These, these brethren who are already members of the church. Repentance, Christian life, is a life of repentance. You don't, you don't hear the gospel and believe and join the church and then you're eternally secure, which is true. But your life doesn't start stop there. The life of a Christian life is a constant daily repentance. When you look at Matthew 28, it says, Go you into all the world, preach the gospel, baptize them that believe, teaching them to observe whatsoever things I've commanded you. It's a lifetime journey. There's salvations and deliverances for the children of God here in time, every day, by obedience. And by your struggle to obey, you'll find your weakness and find your strength in Jesus Christ. Because it's the faithfulness and the promises of what he's done for us that allows us to worship him in sincerity and truth. Because our hearts are made to feel our own unworthiness. Yet we see his faithfulness and causes us to love him so much more. Thank you so much for your attention. Appreciate what Brother Cooks brought forward. I desire an interest in your prayers. Have you heard this saying, I'm looking for a few good men? Mike, you've heard that, haven't you? Yep. Anybody heard that? The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 2, he says, I'm looking for a few good men. Doesn't say a whole bunch. But let's look at how he words it right here. And let's look at why he says this right here. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 says, Thou therefore my son. Paul is talking. Paul is the older minister, the more seasoned minister. Uh, Paul has uh, been in the trenches. Paul has been in the journey. Paul has experienced the hardships. And he's talking to a young man here, young Timothy. And he says, 
Timothy, thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. First of all, he begins to establish and he says, Timothy, you remain in your labors in the ministry. In the time that you labor in the ministry, you remember the message of God's grace. You start out with grace, you finish with grace, and you realize that grace is all in between. That it's not your strength, your ability, but it's according to God's grace. We believe that we're saved by God's grace eternally, and we believe that we're delivered daily by God's grace as well. And so we're thankful for God's grace. And Paul starts out and he says, Timothy, you remember God's grace. You remember the message of God's grace. And then he says, Timothy, the things that thou hast heard of me. Now, Paul says in another place, he says, Timothy, I'm thankful for your mother and I'm thankful for your grandmother. I'm thankful for the faith that they had. And he says, Timothy, I have recognized that that faith that was in your grandmother and in your mother, I see it in you as well. I see that same faith that your mother and your grandmother profess. But Paul comes down and he says to Timothy, the young man, he says, and the things that thou hast heard of me, I believe we could also recognize as Paul addresses here, not only uh, is it what he heard, but what he saw by Paul's ministry. He says, the things that you've heard of me among many witnesses. He says, you've heard it from other folks. You've heard me deliver it in the presence of other people. And he says, the things that you've heard and witnessed of me. He says, Timothy, I want you to commit these same things to faithful men. Looking for... A few good men. I want you to take, Timothy, what you've learned and you pass it on to others who will then in turn pass it on to others. That's the way it is in the church of Jesus Christ. I was reminded two times last week. Now, if it happens once, it's, it's uh, something that I can kind of brush off. But it's, if it happens two times, then it's harder to brush it off. And, and I was reminded two times last week that I'm not going to be around forever. One of them was by my mother. Another was by an older sister in the church, not here, but in Texas. I almost refuse to think about it. How about you? But other folks kind of help me remember it occasionally. I fly a fair amount after this last episode that happened, the horrible tragedy. I may fly less, not just real excited about an engine blowing up in the air, but God mercifully delivered most of those folks. 
I'm thankful for security most of the time. But lately, this has happened several times. When I go through security, I'll have somebody pull me aside and they'll say, do you have any artificial implants? Like it's going to set off the security? And I think, do I look like I've got artificial implants? And I think, well, why didn't you ask that young man in front of me if he had artificial implants? And so it... It sort of reminds me that I'm not going to be here forever. My grandfather was one of my mentors, and, and at 86 years of age, I took granddad to buy a new car. It wasn't brand new, but it was new to him, and he'd worn out the car that he had. And so at 86 years old, I took granddad to buy another car, and he said, you know something? And, and he told me that the last few cars that he bought. He says, you know something? He says, I refuse to say that this is going to be the last car that I buy. He said, my father-in-law... The last 20 years of his life, every time that he would buy a car, he'd say, well, this is going to be the last car I'll ever buy. Anybody here ever said that? Granddad said, I refuse to say that. And when he bought his last car at 86 years old, he was fully expecting to wear that car out. Why is it that... uh, Why is it that Paul is telling Timothy right here, Timothy, the things that you've learned, you need to remember that you need to pass it on to other folks. One reason that Paul said that is that Paul knew that he wasn't going to be there forever. Even though I may refuse to acknowledge that, I'm not going to be here forever. I trust I'm a servant of the Lord. And I trust that I'll follow the direction of the Lord and serve where the Lord would have me to serve. If it's at Mount Carmel, until the Lord calls me home, I'll be thankful for that. If it's somewhere else, I hope I'll be submissive to the will of the Lord. But it's the Lord's call, not mine. I'd like to be like Brother Compton. And I'd like to preach my last sermon one week before the Lord calls me home at 102 and a half. I'd like to do that. But you know what? That's not my call. That's the Lord's call. I may not make it till next week. And so one of the reasons that Paul tells Timothy, Timothy, I want you to teach other folks I want you to pass the torch to other folks, Timothy, because I'm not going to be here forever, and Timothy, you're not going to be here forever as well. And so Paul says, I want you to look for men that you can teach others also. Another reason, I think this is a second, uh, uh, another reason, not that these are the only reasons, but I believe another reason, and I believe we've experienced it graciously from the merciful hand of God here at Mount Carmel. Can you imagine where we would seat everybody if all of those young men that have come through Mount Carmel, that God blessed us to 
benefit from, who God blessed them to build families, and now they're in the south and in the north, laboring among the Lord's people. Another reason that Paul says to Timothy, Timothy, I want you to teach these principles to young men who will then teach them to other young men. Doesn't He didn't say young men. I said young men. Uh, uh, it, it, I went to an ordination, and the minister was in his uh, 50s. I was 15 years old, and the gentleman that was ordained was in his 50s, and it was the first ordination that I ever went to. And, and he uh, labored in the ministry for 30, uh, 30 plus years, and so it doesn't have to be a young person, but uh, it certainly oftentimes is. Elder Compton, when he was ordained, was 60 years old. I think 60 or 61. And he still labored over 40 years in the ministry. So it doesn't have to be a young person. That was my putting that in there, not not Paul telling Timothy. Timothy was young when Paul was talking to him. But another reason that Paul instructed Timothy to teach it to other folks is so that They can do exactly what you've witnessed here at Mount Carmel. You've been blessed to see Mike Stewart, Andrew Huffman, Mark Huffman, Justin Huffman, Andy White, and then most recently Asa Mosley that came up and had a desire to share the truth that they've had with other folks. Look at all the other little groups of folks that are benefiting from this example that Paul said right here. That you take what you've learned and you pass it to others as well. Andy White is a blessing up at Southampton. We were blessed to worship and labor and see Andy as he grows up. We're looking for a few good men. What's your responsibility in this? Did you know that as godly brothers and sisters in Christ, we're instructed to pray for a few good men? We're taught in Matthew that if the harvest is truly plenteous, and truly it is, and it says the laborers are few, What's the responsibility? It's for us to pray that God will send forth laborers in the kingdom. Our responsibility as a whole, as a church body, is to pray that God will send forth laborers in the kingdom. Uh, I know Brother Chuck is laboring in Wilmington and praying that God will bless with laborers there. I know that the, the congregation at Columbia and others are praying to that end, that God will raise up men to proclaim the gospel in those areas as well. A third reason that I believe that it's important that we... Pass on the the things that Paul's talking about right here is that God gives his people gifts. God gives his people talents. God gives all of us gifts and talents if we're a child of God, men and women.
If we don't encourage in the church, in the setting for folks to use the talents and the gifts that God's given them, did you know they'll find a place that they can use it? I'll give you an example. Brother Compton said he grew up in North Carolina and he said that when he was a young man, he said, I had a cousin that she attended the services often and she was 14 years old. Now, keep in mind, this was about 100 years ago, but he said, my cousin was 14 years old and she attended services and the Lord touched her heart. The Lord moved her. Uh, she was tender to the things of God and in, in tears. And he said, I saw her uh, go up before the, the, the congregation and submit herself uh, and, and offer herself for baptism. And he said, some of the older folks got up and they questioned her and they challenged her. And they said that she was too young. Fourteen. Catherine, is that too young? (laughs) Catherine was four when she made her profession. And she remembers that day just like it was yesterday. Brother Compton said... My cousin went to another group of folks and sought baptism. And she said, in her old age, I visited with her. And she said, I believed the doctrine that was taught. I believed the practice. But she said, I had a burden that I had to get lifted and I had to find another group. I believe that if God gives us gifts and talents, we should be looking for ways to use them right in his church, in his kingdom. I was forced to put this in place from a practical standpoint with the work that I'm involved with. Um, About 15 years ago, I was staying with Elder Robbins. Sister Amy, it's good to have you with us here from Salisbury. And at 3 o'clock in the morning, the telephone rang. I was on a preaching trip, staying over on the eastern shore with Elder Robbins, and at 3 o'clock in the morning, I get a phone call from... uh, a manager of one of our facilities and she had a, a stressful time and she said I'm given my two week notice and I thought well I'm two hours away I thought this just didn't it ought to be a better way and I found out through the years that you need to teach others what you know and then you need to let them do it And since then, God has blessed our commitment as a 24-7 commitment. But God has blessed me to put folks in place and to teach them well. And I could honestly be gone, I believe, for a month. And it would still continue 
smoothly because of the things that are in place. It ought to be that way in the church. It should. It should be that if the Lord calls me home, that you mourn for a little while. But you move on. And the Lord blesses you. A church shouldn't be built around the pasture. The pasture is the servant of the Lord. Let's look at what he says to teach. I'm just going to touch on a few things here. When I first discovered the church, I was 15 years old. My mind was going in a lot of different directions. But I found a church in Lubbock, Texas, and the pastor took a liking to me. I thought the pastor was going to be around forever. I did. But in that little window of time, he lived about four or five years. But that four or five years changed the course of my life. He wasn't that old. He was in his 60s. And by the way, 60 is not old. Even if you're past 60, it's not old. He was in his 60s. And and so I thought, well, he'll surely live to be 80 or 90 or maybe 100. And he'll be around forever a long time. And that wasn't the case. At 69, he went home to be with the Lord. But God put me in the presence of a man that was very compassionate and very long-suffering. And so he took a little 15-year-old kid that didn't know up from down, and he began to teach the principles of the doctrines of grace. And I can remember he took and wrote out, T-U-L-I-P, total depravity, unconditional election, limited atonement, irresistible grace, and preservation of the saints. And I thought, I didn't know anybody believed in those points. And I didn't embrace them immediately. But through his compassion and his long-suffering and his patience with me, he would turn to scriptures and, and then turn the Bible around, and he'd say, read this right here, and then you tell me what you think it means. He didn't rebuke me. He didn't chastise me. He just simply took his word and he turned it around and he said, you tell me what you think that means. Very, very gracious. He not only taught and instructed in the, in the principles of the doctrines that, that have grown to be of, of, of great benefit to me and, and of great appreciation to me, but he also taught the, the simple practice that I've grown to love and of just simply singing, praying, and preaching. And that, that practice has, has blessed my soul. And, and I have to tell you, I'm fairly simple. It, it suits my case. The, 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 the more I 
practice it, the more it blesses my soul. It feeds my soul. And Paul is saying right here, if you've been blessed to learn these things, then don't hold them to yourself. Don't take them with you to the grave, but you take those things and you share it with other folks who will then in turn share it as well. And he says, we're putting in place this situation of perpetuity that you pass it on to others who will then pass it on as well. Now you parents, and I know Jamie and Catherine are, are already teaching these boys. It's the responsibility of the parents to teach it in the homes as well. And, and I understand they're even teaching Greek and Hebrew, so they're way above where we are to Jimmy, John, and Mathen. But they're, they're doing it right. They're teaching what God has taught them to teach others as well. Maybe they want to even throw in a little bit of uh, sign language like Calvin and Elsa do with Camden and training her that way as well. But Paul is basically saying, you teach it to men that will teach it to other men and on and on and on. Well, after my pastor died at 69 years of age, boy, if that's my number, I really don't have that many years left. But uh, Brother Afton was, was... going strong and I thought he would be there forever. He baptized me. His, his dad, his son is Don Richards who visits with us here at Mount Carmel. Wonderful, wonderful minister. The next one that God put in my life that, that really blessed me in other areas was, uh, was Elder George Johnson. And I thought Brother George would, would, would be with us a long time. And God used him in a mighty way. He was a young man when I met him. But God used him in a mighty way because he in taught, looking back, there were a couple of things that he taught me. And he taught me this by example. He taught me the principle that Christ teaches in Matthew where he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. He said all other things will be added to it. Brother George taught by example and by word that you seek God first above everything else. That if the doors of the church are open, that it's your responsibility to be there. And he taught that by example, and he taught it by God's word, and it found a lodging place in my heart. Another thing that Brother George taught by example, and he taught by God's word, is that when God's people are sick, when they're afflicted, go pray for them. Go encourage him. He said, God's people have to know that you care. They're not going to listen to you. It's not going to find a lodging place unless they know that you care. Those are some things that he was taught that he passed on down to others. I thought Brother George would be around a long time. And yet God took him home and he was 64 years old. I know God's sovereign. I really thought we needed Brother George around for a long time. I really did. And I thought he would be around a long time. But at 64 years of age, God took him home. Then God blessed with another precious minister 
a prince of a guy, Elder Compton, to bless all of our lives here at Mount Carmel. Sister Chrissy, Sister Laura, Sister Jerry helped care for him after his wife of 76 years passed away. And he was a wonderful blessing. But he put some things in place and he said, do all you can to help other folks. He said somebody came to him one time and they wanted him to sign a document. Uh, They came to his house and it was some folks from another state and they said, we want you to declare non-fellowship with this group of folks over here and we want you to sign this document. And he read it and he said, "Uh, uh, don't ask me to do any harm to anybody. If I can help them, I will. But don't ask me to do any harm anybody brother Compton had another uh, person that, that, that called him up one time and he lived in Washington D.C. And, 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 and they didn't like the peaceable approach that brother Compton took and, and he, he, uh, he, 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 he let him have it over the phone and he said to brother Compton he said you stay on your side of the Potomac and we'll stay on our side Didn't affect Brother Compton. He just continued to labor peaceably. And he taught us by his example. What is it that we're to teach? We're to teach the doctrine. We're to teach the practice. We're to teach the principles of ministering to one another. We're to teach the lessons of compassion, of long-suffering. We're to teach that we're to be a peaceable people, laboring peaceably, even in the midst of the storm. We're to pass these things on. And then Paul says, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. I think that what one of the things that means, he says that as a good soldier, I think that it means that It's not always a honeymoon. Anybody here ever had a honeymoon? Now, I know Brother Farrington did and Sister Farrington, Tracy Justice. I know that even Sister Vicki said she's had one. Being in the Lord's... I was... I don't know. I don't care where you land politically, but I have to tell you, I was blessed by the eulogies that were given for uh, Barbara Bush and and, uh, President Bush. I thought that was quite a tribute of 73 years for her to refer to him the way that she did and for him to refer to her and their kids above that. And this is Proverbs 31, that their children rise up and call them blessed. And I thought, what a great blessing that at the end of their journey that their children would rise up 
and honor their mother and their father. I think what Paul's saying right here is men, young men, older men, whatever age it is, it's not always smooth sailing. It's not always smooth sailing in the ministry. It's not always a honeymoon season. But Paul says, as a good soldier, you endure. You know something I've learned? God's people are all different. I'm so thankful that they're not all like Stephen Boyd. Every single one of us has different gifts. They don't all have to talk the same way. I believe in the Lord's church that there are principles that we embrace and that we, that we share together. But just because somebody doesn't say it the way that you do. That doesn't mean that God's not in the matter. We went to um, uh, New Mexico about 10 years ago, and Steve Aquino, Elder Aquino, I wish he was here missing, but Elder Aquino was... Was, was preaching and, 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 and there was good attendance and, and there was a young lady there that her grandfather had been a minister in the church and she hadn't been in the church in many, many years and the young lady was there and Elder Aquino was preaching with power and God was blessing him and, 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 and afterwards you would have said or I would have said, boy, he had great preaching liberty or God really blessed him or uh, uh, what a great message that he preached this young lady she was trying to come up with the right words to describe it and 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 she uh, she said she said boy he said uh, he was and she she just couldn't think of it and we would say oh he was blessed with the spirit or had great liberty she said wow he was really he was really rocking well i knew what she meant It didn't have to come out in primitive Baptist lingo. I knew exactly what she meant. I got the theme of Brother Danny when we were having baptisms one after another. And he said one day, we need to ride this wave. Not that I've ever ridden a wave. But he said, we need to ride this wave out just as long as we can. Well, that's not traditional primitive Baptist lingo. But don't you get the message? It doesn't have to be exactly the way that you would say it or that I would say it. God has a variety of gifts. And that's what adds so much to the church of Jesus Christ is to see the the many dimensions of the gifts that God brings within the church of Jesus Christ. But here he says, he said, you endure hardness as a good soldier of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 6, it tells us how to be a soldier. Michael is down south in Georgia learning how to be a good soldier, isn't he? Now, Michael had what it took to start being a good soldier. I mean, he, he came from good stock. But he also, he was a good young man that had the desire to do the right thing. And that's what Paul is saying right here. I want a few men 
that you can pass on what you've learned so that they can in turn pass it on as well. So that when the Lord calls us off the scene, it'll continue on without missing a beat. That's what you ought to be praying for. That's what I ought to be praying for. Brother Compton said that he was, had been working on the lawnmower, mowing the church grounds, and he said uh, he, said he was uh, underneath the engine, working on the engine of the lawnmower. Now, he was about 86 years old, but the principle is that this should be practiced and taught by all of us. He said, I was laying on, under this lawnmower, working on the engine, and I got to thinking, you know, I'm not going to be around forever. And I need to start praying that God will send us someone. And he said, you know what? I began to pray. And he said, within just a few months, God sent Elder Aquino. And he said, he came and attended a few times. And he said, after a few months, I asked him to, uh, I asked him to open services. Brother Compton had a wonderful way of putting it. He said when he walked up in the pulpit and he took, and Brother Compton could tell you what chapter and book that he took. He said, my goodness, it was as if he had been preaching 10 years. Paul says the biblical example is that we take what we're taught and we teach others. So that they in turn can teach others. So that other people in other areas can benefit from what we've learned. And so that when we're off the scene, God will bless it to continue on. And so that God will bless his people to use the gifts that they have been given. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us how to be a good soldier of the Lord. He says, put on, he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, first of all, that you can stand against the wiles of the devil. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, against principalities, against powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God. I think this means uh, when we stand strong that we realize it's for the long haul. He says, take unto you the whole armor of God that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, having done all to stand. Truly, we could say that the day in which we live, there's many evils in the land. He says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all these things, taking the shield of faith, wherein you're able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God and praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching there too with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Paul says that he's an ambassador of the Lord and he's saying, Timothy, you take and you teach some more ambassadors. Make out this. We're glad you've been able to listen to this podcast. We invite you to come and worship with us on a Sunday morning. Our services begin with hymn singing at 1030 a.m.
Mount Carmel Primitive Baptist Church is located at 1707 Churchville Road in Bel Air, Maryland. If you've enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes or in your favorite podcast application.